Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. I I, I want the gold. I want the reality of who He is. I want to walk, walk in that perfect will of God. I want to walk in what He has destined for me. Our heart's desire as a Christian should be to walk in the perfect will of God and fulfill our destiny. But God said, this is the way that you're going to receive that is because you have moved into relationship with me and you're choosing blessings. Well, that would be kind of dumb to choose death, wouldn't it? I want to choose evil. I'm not going to choose death. Every time we make a choice that's outside the will of God, we have chosen death. What should I eat for breakfast? Should I go to work today? How should I discipline my children? The list goes on and on. Every day we make choices that affect our lives. Did we make the right choice for this situation? Did we make the wrong choice for that situation? Was this decision the will of God? Was that decision against the will of God? There is a perfect will of God for our lives, and there is a permissive will of God for our lives. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason lays the foundation for understanding the perfect versus the permissive will of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about the perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. How many of you know God has a permissive will? Amen. Amen. He does have a permissive will. Uh, but as before I get into this, let me kind of set the stage for this. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And so the teaching today is not about condemnation, it's about revelation. I want you to see and I want you to understand how God acts and how God reacts. Uh, There's some of us that have bought into Calvinism. Everybody know what Calvinism is? That's predestination, if you don't know. Predestination means that we are preordained to do many great things. And no matter how we live our life, those great things are going to come to pass. God God has this great plan for us and he wants to move in those things for us. But in Romans 12, 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, King James said that you might prove the good, the, 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 good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. What does that word prove there mean? What does it mean to discern? What does it mean to test it? How are you going to test the will of God? Well, let me just tell you, just straight up, we walk by faith, but we walk in trial and error. I mean, that's just the truth. Any of y'all ever stumbled in your walk? Sure you have. Is it because you'd wanted to? Sometimes. Don't lie. You're in church. Sometimes we've absolutely chosen the path of the enemy, even though we knew better than to do that. And so we come into this place, though, that it's by testing. It's by, by, by moving in the things of God. And so we want to understand this idea of good, acceptable, and perfect. What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? How many of y'all want to live out of that place? Amen. I want to live out of that place. I promise you I want to live out of that place. But I, but I, don't, I don't always do what I've been called to do. He's saying, we're going to try this thing out. And as we build a history with God, as you build a history with God, you get more proficient in your walk. How many of you are walking closer to God now than you were when you started? 
If you're not, it's because all you've done is you've taken a, a vaccine against hell and you're not interested in God himself. And God is not interested in you having some vaccination that is burning for all eternity. God is interested in having a relationship with each one of us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. He didn't send his son here just so you wouldn't burn. Just get over that one. Somehow we've taken that as the primary goal of the gospel. That is not the primary goal of the gospel. The primary goal of the, of the gospel is to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ, that we might know him. This is eternal life, that you might know God. That's what he says it is. He takes all this other stuff off the table. Unfortunately, we've, we've learned and we've listened to well-meaning preachers and teachers and we, what they've done is they've given you revelation out of their own theology rather than out of what the Word of God says. Rather than having a revelation from the, the Lord, they've shared with you something that somebody else has shared with you. It reminds me of the old story, everybody's heard it, I'm sure, about the mama that cut both ends of the ham off. And she, the daughter asked her, said, why do you do that? And she said, well, you might, said your grandmama did that. Went to the grandmama and said, why did you do that? She said, because my grandmama did that. My mama did that. So they went and asked the great-grandma, I said, why would you cut both ends of the ham off? She said, it's the only way it'd fit in the pan. Okay, so, you know, sometimes we just do stuff because we've been doing stuff that way. We just do it over and over again, and it becomes a habit. And anything that becomes a habit and not out of relationship is religious. And so we walk out our religiosity in front of the world, and they say, who, who, are, these, who are these hypocrites that walk with us. Now remember how I started this. There's therefore now no condemnation. Okay. <laughs> so don't, don't get all bent out of shape. All I want to do is, is lay this thing out here to where we can grab hold of it so we don't stay where we are. We've got to move into a place that's more dynamic than the one we're in right this minute. And you can't move into a more dynamic place if you don't get off the spot you're sitting on right this minute. And the problem is we get comfortable on the spot we're sitting on. And because we're comfortable sitting on that spot, we don't want to move. So God says, I'm going to unfeather the nest and make it a little rougher for you because I want you moving. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. Amen? We've got to grow in the things of God. How do you know that, that well-meaning men and women of God have done this? Because I've done it. I've done it. And, and later on, God said, I didn't say that at all. I'm going, oh. So I have to come back and correct myself because through trial and error, I have learned more of the will of God. Through the history that I've built with God, I understand God greater than I ever have before. Let, let me give you an example. Everybody knows about David and Bathsheba, right? He gets exposed. The prophet comes and exposes him. And once he exposes him, he says, to, he says uh, David takes this into his heart. He begins to, to uh, repent. And he makes this statement. He said, I have sinned against you and you alone. What? He just sinned against, against God? Seemed to me like he sinned against all Israel. Seemed to me like he sinned against, against uh, Bathsheba's family. Seems to me that he sinned against, I think it's Uriah's family. It seems to me that, that he sinned against all the, the, the mighty men of God that walked with him. It seemed to me he sinned about, to, against a whole lot of people. And yet it looks to me like he's going and going, hey, he's saying, I ain't sinned against anybody but God. Kind of sounds arrogant if you look at it from my perspective. God said, David wasn't arrogant. He was testifying to truth. He was saying, God, the only one that can hold me accountable for my sin is you. I'm the king 
and no other man dare hold me accountable. Wow. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Puts a whole new twist in that thing. Now David has presented his heart before the Lord. So I can either present it as humility or I can present it as being a, a zealot and arrogant before God. But God's heart is that we see the humility in David, not the arrogance in David. Am I making sense to you? So you see how we can get off base sometimes when we look at these things. And God has called us into a place. He says, I want to reveal my heart to you. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to understand more of me. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so if I'm going to learn through trial and error what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, the way I'm going to do that is by being in His presence. See, that's what that scripture is all about. He's saying, he's saying come into here. And he said, I'm going to transform you from glory to glory. Now, we good charismatics saw that as from experience to experience. But the truth of the matter is, that is from revelation to revelation. And God said, I'm going to give you more of who I am, that you can see me in a greater light than you've ever seen. Oh, man, listen, you've got to get excited about that. God said, if you come to me, I'll reveal myself to you. I'll, get, I'll open myself up. I will not hide anything from you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do in the future. I'll tell you what I did in the past. I'm going to tell you what I'll do right now. But you've got to know me. I'll take you from glory to glory. I'll take you from one revelation to a greater revelation. Not of what's going to happen, which is what we're all focused on. He said, I'm going to give you a greater revelation of who I am. And there's nothing in the planet that is more glorious than knowing God and knowing more about God. Come on, give God praise. Amen. So he's telling us, if you want to walk in that good and perfect will of God, you need to spend time in presence. I have been so overwhelmed with what God's been showing me. I share it every time I get the chance about the intimacy with God. You know, that word intimacy, we always think sex. Well, that's not what intimacy is about. It is a part of intimacy, but it is not what, when we talk about God, that's not what we're talking about. The word intimacy broken down one time for me was said, into me see. Being, being intimate means becoming vulnerable, opening up. How many know we have a hard time being intimate with God because we have a hard time opening up to God? It's not like he doesn't know it. When the Bible said, I knew you before you were formed, I know you by your inward parts. He's saying, I know the nasties of you. But if you'll just open them up and let them flow to me, there's intimacy that's birthed. And then God said, now I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, you reveal yourself to me and I'm going to reveal myself to you. Huh? Just write this down. Jesus is the most intimate expression of of God the Father that has ever been on the planet. God said, I'm going to open myself up totally to you. And not only am I going to open myself up totally to you, I'm going to take all the sins, sicknesses, and diseases that you have upon myself that you will know that I am your strength, that I am your healing, that I am your salvation, that I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. Come on, give God praise. Yeah, give God praise. Hallelujah. 
We just got to grab hold of what it is. And so I want to go from this place. I want to know what is the good and the perfect will of God. But we're kind of, we kind of haphazardly walk this Christian life. We bounce back and forth, whatever entertains us the most. Let me say that again. Whatever entertains us the most, we, we gravitate towards entertainment even in our preaching and in our worship. Okay, we gravitate towards those things instead of that, instead of that saying, God, I, I don't care. Anybody ever here done any gold mining? Some of it's sifting. How many know that's hard work? Gold mining is hard, hard, hard work. Dad and I had some friends one time that opened up a gold mine out in Colorado. It was an old gold mine, and they had found a way to crush the rock. But I want you to know they worked 17, 18 hours a day to get gold dust, just little bits of gold dust out of there. Okay, but what we want to do instead of, instead, of, instead of gold mining, what we want to do is go to Daytona Beach on a summer vacation with God. We want the wind to blow in our hair. We want the sand between our toes. I'm ready to go myself. How about y'all? Anyway, anyway, that, that, that's kind of the way we have. And God, if you want to show up there, that, man, I know. I was out yesterday looking at God, and he did show up there. He'll show up there. But the thing is, I want to go deeper with God. I, I, I want the gold. I want the reality of who he is. I want to walk, walk in that perfect will of God. I want to walk in what he has destined for me. Again, some of us think that we're just going to be blown into that direction. I can live my life any way I want to, and I'm a little puppet, and God's going to direct me, and I finally I will accomplish what I accomplished as long as I say my nightly prayers and ask for forgiveness. Our heart's desire as a Christian should be to walk in the perfect will of God and fulfill our destiny. We should understand that our destiny is held in our choices. If you make the right choices, you receive the right blessings. Well, Eddie, you make the wrong choices and you don't receive the full destiny of God. Well, God's more in control of that. Let me just bring you to a human example. I have a son that's in California. Now, he's doing much better. I thank you for your prayers. Don't stop. But when he was three years old, never once did I see him smoking marijuana, getting drunk, or taking drugs. When he was eight years old, he had memorized more Bible than I had. My desire for him to was fulfill the destiny that God had for him. I have three very intelligent sons. Of them, David is the smartest. My mind just couldn't conceive of what he could achieve. And so my will, my desire for David was that David live a fulfilled, glorified life, successful in the things that he did. Now, you know what he's living? He's living in a trailer in California and he's making an honest living and I sit there and I just go wow that's not what my heart was for my son at all does it change my love for my son not even the least little bit unless you've ever been in that position you, you don't really know what I'm talking about but what I'm telling you is 
God the Father will let you make those choices. He became a grown man. I didn't get to make the choice. I tormented myself because of the choices he made and thought I did something wrong. Wasn't what I did wrong. It was the choices that he made. God is not doing anything wrong. It's the choices that we make. Am I making sense to you? And so we need to move in, in, in these choices. And we understand that there is accountability in our choices. Some people have negated accountability in the Word of God, and they have stuck it in this hyper-grace idea that there is no, I can do anything I want to. It doesn't make any difference. I am never going to reap from that thing, even though the Lord says that I will reap from that. If I don't reap anything but not being able to fulfill my complete destiny... I honestly believe the Bible says there's going to be 30 minutes of silence and he said he's going to wipe away all the tears. I believe there's a reason there's going to be silence is because we're going to be awed at the plan that God had for our lives. And I believe the reason it's going to be tears is because we didn't fulfill all that God had established for us. And then he's going to wipe those away and say that's over new beginnings. Amen. And it'll be glorious. Now, that's my belief. All right. So I'll just tell you that. That's what I believe. You see, there are bad choices. In the garden, it started. What was the destiny of Adam and Eve? The destiny of Adam and Eve was to multiply, to fill the earth, and to take dominion over the entire earth. That's God's will for Adam and Eve. Let me say it one more time. That was God's will for Adam and Eve. Sometimes we take the sovereignty issue, and when we take the sovereignty issue that God will do what he wants to do, we remove the choice. But a sovereign God had said, this is the way it's eventually all going to work out. But in the midst of that, you have a choice. And you can either be part of what I'm doing in the earth, or you can be separate from what I'm doing in the earth. Adam and Eve were no less of God than they were when they started out, but they were no longer going to fulfill their destiny. As a matter of fact, out of that choice, they reaped the curse. Hey, that's the Old Testament. I understand that. I'm just telling you, it was a choice that they made. I want you to understand this, nothing else. Choice is the cornerstone of God's permissive will. Let me say that one more time. Choice is the cornerstone of God's permissive will. I had to permit David to leave because he made those choices. Adam and Eve were set out of the garden because they made those choices. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, we like that. From, I know the plans that I have for you. But there is a condition that's established. He's saying, I know the plans for, that I have for you. And if you seek me, you will find me. If you come into my presence, I will reveal myself to you. And out of the revelation of who I am, the plans and the destiny that I have for you will be fulfilled. Because you will all of a sudden become more like me. Oh, you don't like that. I just took one of your, one of your religious stones away. You think God's changed his mind about David? No, sir. God's still got good plans for David. But David has to make a choice or he will die without ever entering into those good plans. Am I making sense to you today? 
There is therefore now no condemnation, okay? I just want us to understand that there is accountability in the kingdom of God. What's happening, we raised up a group of people that don't believe in any accountability and they take no responsibility. They want to blame it on somebody else. Our politicians have become so great at it, it's amazing. They are like Teflon, nothing sticks to them, you know. They pass it on and pass it on and pass it on and pretty soon you don't know what the truth is. And so what I want to do is I want to begin to learn how to, how to move out of revelation and, and, and I want to move out of, out of my new nature rather than out of my old nature. You see, when we came to Christ, we became a new, brand new man, didn't we? Just put your hand right here and say, I'm brand new. It happened at Calvary. And it changed me forever. We're a brand new creation. We're, 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 we're brand new in who we are. But we don't operate out of that new man, do we? We sometimes we let the old nature take over. Let me back up just a little bit. Let me read one more scripture to you. In 1 Timothy 2.3, this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desired all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The perfect will of God is that nobody goes to hell. That's the perfect will of God. Unfortunately, multitudes choose to go to hell. Why? They don't want to submit themselves to the Spirit of God. They like the old man. They're comfortable with the old man. And they're not interested in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not God's will that any should perish. But they will. Deuteronomy 30.11, For the commandment that I have commanded you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. But the word is very near to you. Put your hand right here and say, God's word's near to me. His Holy Spirit lives in me. Amen. He says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Wow. Wow. God says you can possess the land that He's shown you. That may be your children. That may be your grandchildren. That may be something in the natural. But God said this is the way that you're going to receive that is because you have moved into relationship with me and you're choosing blessings. Well, that would be kind of dumb to choose death, wouldn't it? I want to choose evil. I'm not going to choose death. Every time we make a choice that's outside the will of God, we have chosen death. And so when we decide that we want to operate in the old man, we decide that we're going to operate in the spirit of death. The old man is a dead man. But he's still influential. My mama has been dead for how long, Daddy? 20-something years? But she still influences my life. I remember things she said. I remember things she did. I remember things that she asked me to do. I remember, listen, for years I wore a suit and tie. You know why? My mama had asked me to. The influence of that was over me. That happens with the old man, too. He may be dead, but he still can influence you. And every so often, we just decide to resurrect that sucker. 
because we're comfortable with who he is. We learn. And so rather than living out of the spirit of God, we live out of the things that we know. We live out of the things that we learn. We live out of the things that we believe. We live out of the lies of the enemy. You see, we, we go to this place and, and we start to live out of emotion. My emotions are now in control. God, I don't know what your will is, but I know that my emotions are in control. And I'm going to live according to my emotions. I'm going to be a hard-headed, hard, roughneck joker that does what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I'm going to say what I want to. And the Bible said, I set before you life and death. You just chose death. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. He's given you a choice. He's given you a great choice. And the choice is, am I going to fulfill the destiny? And am I going to live like a new man? Or am I going to live like an old man? You see, we're comfortable. In the old man, we know how to get what we want. My wife knows how to get whatever she wants. Y'all think I'm lying? No. She'll say it and then she'll take it back. And she's watching, hey, baby. And then she'll take it back knowing that when she takes it back, I got to do it. Because then I'm going to feel bad about it. You see, in the old man, we knew how to get what we wanted. And so when God doesn't give us what we want, we revert back to the old man so we can get what we want. And what happens is we're now operating not in the perfect will of God, but in the permissive will of God. And in the permissive will of God, people go to hell. Now, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about those that refuse to accept Christ. In the permissive will of God, though, we choose to walk outside our destiny and we choose to be in control of our own life. And God said, when you get ready, give it back. I'll take it. But when you try to control everything, you have chosen death. I didn't know what a control freak I was. I've tried to control my environment. I've tried to control the, the things that are around me. I am a control freak. And God said, you can't do that. And so the way he had to teach me was he had to let me know there were things I can't control in the earth. And then he began to reveal to me through a cartoon, by the way, that control is an illusion at best. You just think you're in control. You just think you're in control. But we just wear ourselves out with this emotional control. Our anger comes out. And the anger comes out of a place of the old man, not out of the new man. And so we, we begin to understand, hey, I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. I got to walk like a new man. Your identity has got to conform to the new man, not to the old man. The old man is moved by everything. I got to please everybody. My old man is a people pleaser, a butt kisser. Even to the point that I will please man many times before I please God. This morning, God's saying, how about take on the new man? I'm going to read Romans 6, 11. I'm going to close. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I took that out of the King James Version. I like that word. He said, reckon yourself to be dead. 
He said, you've got to do the reckoning within yourself. I've already told you the old man was crucified, dead, and buried with Christ. But if you don't reckon it, if you don't take hold of that, if you don't let that become part of who you are, that old man will keep creeping up and you will believe the lie on and on and on and on and on. My uncle had a, had a, a, a leg operation. He wasn't having good circulation in his left leg. And so they went in there, stripped some veins, and got the circulation going on in his left leg. They landed his hand on his right hand leg. His right leg was cold as ice. They wound up amputating the right leg. It was really interesting. After they amputated the right leg, I asked myself, Uncle Luther, what's the hardest part of this? He said, my foot itches and there's no foot to scratch. You see, that's the same thing. The old man, he's really not there, but he is, isn't he? He's right here. He lives right here because we have not reckoned ourselves dead to him. We have not declared that we are dead to him. We have not said even when we make a mistake, I am dead to that and I am alive to Jesus Christ. We've got to reckon ourselves dead. That reckoning, Paul, that's not a suggestion. That's not Paul saying, saying that if we feel dead to sin, you don't have to feel dead to sin. Do you not understand that our emotions are still under the control right this minute of the evil one and under the control of our old man. And when we try to wait till the feeling matches up with the reality, it'll be a cold day in hell because it's not going to happen. The reality is God said it. You need to believe it. I need to believe it. And we need to walk in the truth of what he said. We live by faith and not by sight. Yeah, give God praise. Give God praise. Reckoning is a matter of faith that requires action. It's not good enough to say, I know I'm dead in Christ. Man, that is just fluff. I'm a Christian. Fluff. If I, you knew how many people I met that said they were Christians, and I'm going, if they are Christian, I'm Muhammad. I, I don't know. That's... I may be wrong, God forgive me for judging, but I'm just telling you the truth. Most everything they say coming out of their mouth is fluff. Why? Because they don't live it. By trial and error, we may fail, we may make mistakes. God help us, that's okay. We ask for forgiveness, but we get right back on the track and say, uh-uh, I'm a dead man. That's dead to me. How many of y'all got an old dog likes to get outside? My dog loves to get outside. And first off, she will eat the stinkiest stuff. She comes in, if she breathes on you, you will pass out. And if I leave her out there long enough, not only will she eat it, she'll roll around in it like it's perfume. That's what we do when we choose not to reckon ourselves dead to the old sin nature and alive to Christ. When we say, I have no power, no authority over this, we deny the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. We have, we have power over it. Amen. Come on. Give God praise. Now look what he said. It's a process, not an event. From glory to glory. From greater revelation to greater revelation. You're not going to start at the head of the class. Matter of fact, you may, you may even have gotten behind a few people since you've been a Christian. You may move in more flesh now than you did before you got saved. But today is the day to reconcile ourselves dead. Today is the day that I say I will draw close to God that my life might be changed. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. 
place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.